This season of Out Alive is brought to you by Garmin. I'm Casey Lyons, executive editor at Backpacker, and here's a safety tip from Garmin. Most trail people are good folks, but generally speaking, treat problem people like problem bears. Give them a lot of space. And if the situation calls for it, be prepared to move camp, even if it's dark, raining, and you're tired. This episode contains adult content and profanity that is not suitable for all listeners. To be a hiker is to accept a certain amount of risk. Every time we lace up our boots and head away from the services of society, we take a little gamble. And yet the freedom to expose ourselves to that danger is part of the draw, especially since we know the wilderness is infinitely safer than the towns and cities we leave behind to explore it. But as our next story shows, you never know what or who is coming down the trail. I made a decision to survive. You're in that survival mode. The the idea of dying wasn't in my head. I knew immediately it was the worst case scenario. I was in a fight for my life situation. Whenever you walk out on these trails, you're in their house. I'm Louisa Albanese, and you're listening to Out Alive by Backpacker. In each episode of this podcast, we'll bring you real stories of real people who survived the unsurvivable. I saw the rope zip through the rappel ring, and I couldn't do anything. Learn what went wrong, what went right, and how you can escape if the worst-case scenario happens to you. There is no way we would find anybody alive. Three million people hike along the Appalachian Trail each year, thousands of whom attempt a through-hike all the way from Georgia to Maine. In the spring of 2019, Kirby Morrill was one of those through-hikers. So I grew up in the middle of nowhere in New Brunswick. You know, there's more cows and people in the community I grew up in. So before I left on the Appalachian Trail, I'd never been backpacking a day in my life. I, I have no problem with the woods, totally cool with it. I've always wanted to do Mount Katahdin. It's about a three-hour drive from Fredericton, which is the capital city in New Brunswick. Everyone in New Brunswick does Katahdin at some point. My dad did it when I was a kid, and I thought that was so cool. So at some point, I was going to climb Katahdin. And then I started actually reading about it when I was in university and found out it was the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail. But one of the difficulties of deciding to hike the Appalachian Trail is finding the opportunity. November 2018, I defended my master's thesis and I wasn't attached to anything. So I had the time and regardless of not having the money, I had to make this happen somehow. Booked a plane ticket one way to Georgia and figured I'd walk home. Like many through hikers, Kirby hit the trail solo knowing she'd meet people to walk and camp with along the way. I was really nervous when I left that I wouldn't be able to make it because I'm going to say the number one reason why people leave the trail is mental. I figured if I could make it past the first few weeks, then this was legit. The start of my trail was really good and I was really enjoying it. I was a little worried about um, there's something called the Virginia Blues. A full quarter of the trail is in the state of Virginia. So you go for quarter of the distance without any major milestones, without anything to like congratulate yourself about or any real photos to take other than 
like some of the sites, but there's no state lines and there's just a lot of walking and it wears people out. So I was a little worried about the Virginia Blues, but I figured eh, I made it this far and I'm okay with it. It's fine. And then I didn't actually make it that far. By this point in the hiking season, everyone in the trail community had heard of a hiker named James Jordan. Like many through hikers, he went by a trail name, Sovereign. But Jordan wasn't like other through hikers. My name is Odie, and I'm, I've spent a few years on the Appalachian Trail during the main hiking seasons, doing trail support, being out there for and with the hikers. And this year started out different with hearing about James Jordan. Stories grew very quickly from him. He was just kind of scaring tons of hikers. He was just doing things that were not normal, like um, the shelters along the trail. You would hike for a day and then you'd stop at a shelter and several people would stop at these shelters for the night. And he would get to a shelter and just be like, this is my shelter, everyone get out. Everyone get, you know, just really uncomfortable and very violent feeling. Though the AT covers over 2,000 miles, news on the trail travels fast. Hiker chatter spreads by word of mouth and through online community forums like The Truck and Gut Hook. Reports popped up of Jordan threatening groups of hikers with a knife. He became notorious for the guitar strapped to his pack and the dog he hiked with. Here's Alex Hill, another through hiker. You could tell that he wasn't obvious hiker. Like, you know, this person is not balanced. One freezing cold evening, Alex and his hiking partner Meg hiked up to a shelter to find Jordan inside brandishing a large knife. He's holding this knife, like, in my direction, saying that I can't stay in the shelter. And I'm just like, all right, man. So we kind of back up, and I'm thinking, like, I've got to put up my tent in this like crazy weather because this psycho won't share the shelter. Like I didn't know exactly how to handle it. I mean, he was basically threatening me and the weather outside of the shelter is life threatening. A handful of other hikers came along and Alex watched in horror as Jordan threatened a 17 year old solo hiker with a shovel. The weather was brutal so Alex and Meg welcomed her into their tent to keep warm for the night. Snowed pretty much all night, but we were pretty grateful for that because we thought that he would be less likely to, to leave the shelter if, if the weather stayed inclement. But throughout the night, he was yelling profanities, kind of just like out into the air. He was saying, do you want to fucking die? That was, that was pretty much one of the few sort of things that he was yelling we understood. At 5.30 the next morning, Alex and the others packed up and hiked to a road where they got a shuttle to a hostel. So we all end up there and we, we called the police like as a group and we told the cops like what happened. And they said that they were already trying to find him because of an altercation that happened at a different hostel. I gave them my contact information. I said I would press charges. I took somebody's contact information and had to call them just to get an update 
of what was happening um, because Meg and I didn't really feel comfortable going back on the trail without knowing that he'd been picked up. So we ended up staying at the hostel like for two days. And so that's where he's being held in jail at Irwin. You know, I have my phone on me and like I check it every night, the messages and stuff. There was no contact from anybody to see whether or not we would have stayed to press charges. So this guy gets arrested and taken to Irwin and then gets released and he gets right back out on the trail. Here's Odie again. It was very quickly that we started hearing stories again that he was definitely still on trail and still scaring hikers in different ways. So I believe another week went by after his first arrest and he was arrested a second time. Once again, he was released and um, I saw on social media that James Jordan was actually in Roan Mountain, Tennessee. So I wasn't far from there, an hour or so away. Odie decided to take matters into his own hands. So he tracked down James Jordan and pretending he didn't recognize him, offered to buy the hiker and his dog lunch. I could tell that he wasn't the same as, you know, most people in this world. And I could I could see a lot of anger in him and, and it was scary talking to him. He told me just strange things like when you set your tent up at night, be sure to put dental cloths around your tent. That way they'll fall down when they try to come get you. Just talked about how you always have to be on guard. and He had a stance of fear. But I began to try to talk him into just going home. Like, hey, you've already hiked 130 miles of the Appalachian Trail. That's incredible. Maybe you want to go see your parents or, or family members and let them know like what you've done. Like, that's, that's great. Like, where's home for you? And he told me about his brother being up north, and I said, uh, "I said, hey, why don't you go go see your brother? I'll buy you a bus ticket. You know, you want to go see your brother? I'll I'll get you to the bus station and buy you a bus ticket. The best I could think to do was just send him to his family." So Odie bought Jordan a ticket for the next day. At the time of departure, he called the station, where an attendant confirmed that the hiker and his dog had boarded the bus. So I took a huge sigh of relief and posted on social media that he had gotten on the bus and and left the trail. Just prayed that he would, you know, find a better way. But um, not totally sure on what happened, but I know that he didn't take that bus all the way home because he ended up back on the trail. Kirby, like everyone else, had heard about James Jordan. One day, she stopped at a restaurant called The Barn alongside the trail in Atkins, Virginia, for lunch. I had a great lunch, and I was working on my trail journal, had it all updated, and I glanced out the window at some point, and I saw a guy with a, like, really old-school pack and a big old bedroll on the top of it and a guitar attached to the back of it, along with a really playful pup just dancing around him. And I looked and I was like, guitar and a dog. Holy crap, that's the guy. And I Googled it really quick just to make sure because you never know. And then having confirmed that it was the guy who threatened people in Tennessee, I wrote a quick note in the logbook at the restaurant because there's there's a lot of places that keep logbooks so they can track which hikers came through and it's kind of a keepsake. So I made a note in the logbook 
I figured as a fast hiker, my best bet might be if he's going to stay on the trail, I should try and get past him. And I know he's right ahead of me right now. So I'll get past him. I'll hike beyond him, wake up early tomorrow, keep hiking, then I'll never see him again. And it'll be fine. So I hiked on. I came up behind him and I gave a big like, hello, I'm hiking a little faster than you. Do you mind if I go past you? I was like, oh yeah, sure. And he was really friendly and we chatted for a bit and I kept trying to hike faster to get beyond him. And he kept trying to talk to me as I was hiking away. He had some very strange things to say. He told me his dog's name. I can't remember. His dog had two names though. One of them was her name and the other one was her slave name. He told me what his name was, which like we all go by trail names out there. So he told me what his trail name was. But then after that, he told me that his government name was James. After that, I hiked on past him and it was getting late in the day, though. The sun was starting to set and the next shelter was about nine miles beyond where I was. Lots of people enjoy night hiking. I don't. So I decided, OK. I will hike that distance if there's no one else at this campsite. But if there are other people at this campsite, then I'll stop. Because the other thing I figured is, according to what I had heard, James Jordan, uh, he didn't have a tent, was my understanding. And it was supposed to rain that night. And so I figured his best bet was probably to keep on going to the shelter. And so I might actually be just fine to stay at the campsite. I rolled up to the campsite and I found Gina and Jay and Ron. Ron Sanchez had started his through hike early in the season. He was an army vet and was using his hike as his own brand of therapy. A little bit about, you know, a little bit about Ronnie. Uh, he joined the service in 1995 all the way up to 2010. This is Dan Duncan, Ron Sanchez's father. Served our country three times over in Iraq, Kosovo. Had some issues when he came home, and he was working through those issues. Uh, and one of the ways was being outdoors. Ronnie always loved to be outdoors. He was an outdoors guy. He picked up backpacking, hiking. And so the day came when he decided he was going to start his, his journey. Appalachian Trail trip. His fiance took him to Georgia, dropped him off there, and he started walking the trail. Ron Kimcross is just really straightforward, really nice guy. This is Colin Gooder, owner of Gooder Grove Adventure Hostel in Franklin, North Carolina. We had Ron Sanchez come in, I think it was January 31st when he showed up. And uh, the weather had been pretty bad with some snow up in the higher elevations. His knees were, were starting to uh, give him a hard time. So we were, we were talking and, and he was thinking about quitting and getting off the trail and going home because of his knees and he was really down about it. And, uh, and I found out you know, he was a veteran and, and his experience in the military had left him troubled. So I wanted to help him, and so I, I offered to let him work you know, a few hours a day in exchange for his stay. He was a great shoulder for people to rely on and lean on. I can't emphasize enough like, how good of a man Ron was. 
Herbie and Ron had met a few days prior and had a friendly rapport. They'd been leapfrogging each other for a couple of days, passing each other on the trail and staying at the same hostels. Gina and Jay, a couple from New Jersey, were new faces. They too had taken to the trail to heal from trauma in their lives. Jay and I had hiked about, I don't know, 15, 16 miles that day. And we came up to a campsite and Ron was there. He was the only one camped there. And there was something about Ron that I was really drawn to. And our original plan was to go to the second tent site. And when Ron was there, I don't know why. He was just very I welcoming. Just turned to Jay and you know, I we asked I think like we asked him, you know, hey, is it cool if we pitch our tent here? And we pitched our tent. We were talking, we were talking about the military, his time in the military, why he was on trail. He came off as a really genuine, really genuine dude and he had some struggles with PTSD, and that's why he was out on the trail trying to heal from them. And we kind of bonded on that because we're on the trail trying to heal from, from our own stuff. It was just peaceful. It was the three of us hanging out, and Kirby showed up, asked us, you know, if there was room for one more, to which I, I vividly remember saying, of course. And she let us know that James had been behind her. I remember turning to Jay and just saying like, what the hell? Like I thought, you know, everybody thought he was off trail at that point. And so he rolls up to the campsite and he's friendly enough and I don't know, just got more intense, I guess I'll say, as the evening went on. He just was definitely becoming more irritable and I, at, at one point I was setting up my uh, sleeping bag on top of my sleeping mat and he came up uncomfortably close behind me and was peeking into my tent. And I said, hey, what, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just having a look at your setup in here. And I said, I, I'm sorry, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. And then he just stops deadpan, stops smiling and says, you know what makes me uncomfortable? Getting punched in the face. He just was making me uncomfortable enough that I wasn't going to eat dinner. So before I hung my food bag, I actually took a couple Snicker bars out and I just took them into my tent and I figured I'd eat a couple Snickers and then deal with real hunger in the morning. So I only ended up eating half of one of those because I was trying desperately not to make any noise. I did not want him to know that I was moving around. I did not want him to remember that I existed. Everyone but James Jordan retreated to their tents and pretended to sleep. He threatened to kill us and he told us why we deserved to die and threatened to pour gasoline on the tents and light us up and no one would ever know. Clearly no one was sleeping. I had nothing but adrenaline in my system and there was no way I was going to spend the night there. But as the night went on, he kept retreating further and further back into the woods and was quiet for long periods of time and it sounded like maybe there would be an opportunity, an opportunity to leave. So we packed up. I could hear Gina and Jay wrestling. So I, I figured they were packing up. I heard Jordan come out of the woods. There was a 
brief encounter between him and Gina and Jay, and then running. So Kirby and Ron grabbed their packs and set off down the trail together. Ron and I both had headlamps. And then Jordan, who did not have a headlamp, I don't know if he found us by our lights or if he was just managed to follow the trail in the dark on his own. But he just came down the trail and next thing we know, he's right in front of us in our headlamp lights. At no point previously in the night had I actually seen him holding a knife. But when he approached us coming down the trail, he was already holding it in his hand. Next time on Out Alive. We were definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of people knew that this guy was dangerous. I honestly had no idea if I was already dead or not. I had no idea. It struck the core of the community. Maybe I should have called the cops and I'll carry that with me for the rest of my life. This episode of Out Alive was produced by me, Louisa Albanese, and Zoe Gates. Our story editor and sound designer is Andrew Mayers. Our assistant story editor is Tim Massa. Our scriptwriter is Casey Lyons. This episode was mixed by Jason McDaniel from Electric Audio, Inc. Thank you to Kirby Morrell, Odie Norman, Alex Hill, Dan Duncan, Colin Gooder, and Gina and Jason for sharing your stories and perspectives. If you enjoyed this episode of Out Alive, please subscribe and leave us a review.